ever will be. And you know it. With a tear in my eye. The king is back, baby. Acknowledge me. Episode 307 of Top Rope Nation. We're here on a Monday afternoon with you to talk a little AEW All In. And we have a very special guest making his return to the show here with me today. We will have Jesse Velasquez on the program. He's having some technical difficulties right now. So Jesse is just going to do the run-in whenever he gets those fixed. But he will be here. Justin Joint is at work. So he couldn't join us live. This is not our usual recording time, but we needed to record earlier. I, by the way, love the afternoon shows. This this is my favorite time to record. I'm much more alert right now, and I'm really excited about the guests we have on the line because Carl Longhorn, longtime supporter of Top Rope Nation, was actually at AEW All-In at Wembley Stadium yesterday, and we wanted to bring him on, talk about the live perspective of what he experienced. So Carl, welcome back to the program, sir. Great to be here. And um, just want to start by saying um, a big congrats to you, Jesse and Justin for the job you did on the Bray and Terry Funk tribute. Um, you know, you did it, did a really good job of dealing with a, a developing crappy situation with a Bray passing and obviously Terry's passing the night before. So really lovely, do- well done. And um, yeah, I've been watching some Bray stuff over the weekend in between doing stuff in London and going to the show. And yeah, I uh, just want to put on record, you know, huge loss. Um, wasn't the biggest fan of his, you know, how he was booked, but he's clearly a really creative guy. And seeing some of the tributes last night was really nice to see how well thought of he was within the industry. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate the compliments on the show. It was, yeah, it was a very tough one to do last Thursday night, but we've gotten some good feedback on it. It's doing well from a downloads perspective too. And I was a little nervous about that because, you know, whenever there's a a death in the wrestling world, unfortunately people are, they're going to click that. They want to hear the takes on these people's careers. And it's like all this pressure. Okay. Got to deliver. And especially with Bray, it was so last minute, but I was very pleased with how it turned out. And uh, I'm glad to hear that you enjoyed the show. And, and you're always great. Whenever we have brought you on the podcast, your shows always get great great feedback as well and so looking forward to talking about this of course since you were at Wembley Stadium such a historic show as they said the most attended paid wrestling show of all time which is kind of what we were expecting going in Um, Tony Khan announced they had over 80,000 paid close to 90,000 in the building just beyond what we could have expected when this event was announced a few months back and um you know, before we get into the the matches themselves and our grade, and yes, we are going to talk about CM Punk and Jack Perry here, but I want to wait until Jesse's on the line so we can all kind of debate that a little bit. Let's just like rewind a second here, Carl, and and how did you go about getting tickets? Like, what was your experience like getting tickets for this show? Uh, how far are you from Wembley Stadium? Now, you don't have to tell us your address or anything like that, but you know, like, what was the commute like? How'd you get tickets? What was the commute like? And then talk to us about the atmosphere outside the venue when you got there. So I got tickets on a pre-sale. Um, had originally had some pitch um, level tickets a bit further than what I end up with and was trying to check them out, end up realizing I've got a work meeting that I'm already two minutes late for. So I had to go back 
Um, still end up with pitch tickets. Really easy process. Ticketmaster is actually, to be fair, not too bad when it comes to the checkout process and, and that sort of thing. Uh, so like everyone, I think, just sign up for the link, um, sign up for next year's link as well. In terms of how far I am, um, I'm about... So it's around a two and a two and a half, three hour train journey into central London. And then I stayed West London, um, not too far from Shepherd's Bush. So that's about a 40 to 50 minute um, journey to Wembley. The sphere at Wembley, even from early. So I went up to Wembley on yesterday morning around 10 o'clock to go get this T-shirt. Um, before the merch stands got too busy, and even then, I was I waited twenty five minutes. Um, so there was already that amount of people there. Mm. The sphere outside the stadium was was good. It was an interesting crowd because I went there thinking it's probably going to be sixty percent hardcores. It, there was a lot more casual fans there than I expected, uh, which is really good because by having MJF in the main event. And it links back to a conversation I had with a friend who I saw over the weekend, who's a real laps fan. He loves MGF. Mm. Having MGF there and Adam Cole is outkicked his coverage in this in this role for me massively. I think they're gonna get more eyeballs. And I think the the linking with ITV, which is a free-to-air TV um channel over here, Tony is right, they are the most popular company in terms of viewership in, in the UK, and I can only see that growing because WWE are not going to do Wembley now. There's no chance of that happening because they won't go somewhere someone else has. And there's no other stadiums in the in the country big enough with the, the Pole of London. So, you know, really, you know, really important show for them. And, yeah, looking at the demographics, I think they'll do that number again next year easily. And they're, I mean, it's... They're showing loyalty to the UK too by announcing they're going to come back. And Tony said in the scrum, he wants to make this a yearly event. He wants the bank holiday show all in to become a routine, just like all out for Labor Day over here in the States has become a routine. And so, I mean, that's only going to do wonders for growing the brand over there too. When, you know, you can feel like you're rooting for the home team kind of thing, you know, like they're showing this loyalty to the market. They want to have their biggest, you know, at least attendance wise event of the year there. Now, every year, it sounds like. Yeah, it's um, from a booking perspective, that's going to be difficult doing those back to back weekends, but they've yeah. done it once. Hopefully, they'll learn from this year and, and go forward and actually maybe look at it. You know, they've got relationships with Impact, they've got a relationship, obviously, the Ring of Honor brand, they've got a relationship with New Japan. Um, the AAA relationship, I'm sure, will hopefully develop a bit more potentially. So, mm-hmm. they can, you know, utilize a lot of talent, maybe all in becomes more of an international show. Um, again, maybe linking in some of the UK promotions like Red Pro and um, some of the guys that they've had on their work for um, a promotion called 1PW, which Osprey's a champion for. So they've mm. got a lot of talent they can plug into. So it doesn't need to become a fucking minefield. It, you know, look at it, two distinct shows. Yeah. Yeah, we. I mean, we had a good amount of listeners who were at this show. Uh, we had a great mm-hmm. thread going in our Facebook group. You checked in over the weekend with some photos, you know, and what you were up to in London. And so you were there for a couple of days. Yeah, so we had a train strike on a Saturday. So I had to get the train. I 
actually had a plan to go down on a Friday. So I would say Friday, I'd planned to do a lot of tourist stuff on Saturday and then found out two of my friends were at an Arsenal football game. So I ended up making a journey up to North London and having a few beers with them and touristy stuff was not going to be on the agenda after four beers. <laughs> it was then basically go back yeah. to Central, you know, have a few more drinks and then have a couple of hours nap before going out in the evening. <laughs> um, you know, approaching Sounds like my kind of guy, Carl. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like it. Uh, so how would, let me ask you this. How would you compare, I mean, obviously you've been to WWE shows over there too, correct? No, so oh, really? I've only done three wrestling shows, two of which were this year. Um, the AFL mentioned one PW did a show in Doncaster, um, and where Osprey wrestled twice, um, which was cool to see. And I did a show when I was like nine, which the Bulldog was on in Leeds, and mm. it was a I think he he it was when he had to sub for Dynamite in like between his WCW exit and his return to WWF at the oh, time. Wow. Yeah. So this is like the biggest show I've done by a, a distance. I where I lived, so I lived in Norwich where Saray was born and brought up for the bulk of my sort of childhood. There was no the nearest shows were London's and you'd never get tickets, so it just sold out. Mm-hmm. Um now I'm I'm not far from Birmingham, but I've got no interest in going to see WWE and Seth Rollins and Finn Balor bore me to tears. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to ask you, you know, how the the crowds compare between the two and if you notice any difference there, because I definitely when I go to WWE versus AEW events here in the States, there's a distinct difference in the crowd, although that is interesting and it's good. And I kind of expected you would have more of a casual audience here with that sheer amount of fans. They're just curiosity, get a cheap seat. You know, there's this big event happening maybe and, you know, just want to be part of it. So uh, I see we got a run in here. I think we got someone on the line. Let me let me head on out. Is that is that Jesse Velasquez? Jesse, sir, are you there? Hello, gentlemen. I yes. cannot hear okay. you. Uh oh, I can hear you. I can that hear is you. Awesome. You're good. I'm gonna let you continue the conversation. I I got this. So just continue. <laughs> I will be with you momentarily. All right. So we got you in the venue now. You you got your merch. Um. Let me let me just ask you, just looking at the event as a whole, then uh, what was your grade at? You know, obviously, whenever you go to a show, if you haven't watched the whole thing back, your grade can change a little bit. There is that excitement of being there live. If you're grading this A through F, Carl, what are you giving the show? Obviously, it's an experience. It's an A for being there live. Um, I would give it an A minus in terms of watching it back this afternoon. I felt there was one incredible match. Another match that over delivered and a main event that, whilst I foibled with it, still did what it needed to do in terms of, you know, elevating the promotion, elevating the guys involved. So, yeah, an A minus, but yeah, A probably super A plus for being there live. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that score. I mean, I'm, I think I was on the Bleacher Report show last night too, and I think I gave it a B plus on that show. But I'm kind of at that B plus A minus. The only thing, and I I got to watch this back because it was on during the day. I was wrangling my kids a little bit, and I, I think if I watch it again more late at night when I can zone in on the show, maybe I'll I'll take into the account or I'll take into account some of these matches a little bit better. But right now, the only thing that was really missing is it didn't have a match of the year contender for me. That said, I mean. 
almost everything on the show was extremely solid. There were matches that I really liked, as we'll talk about here in a minute. Uh, and it was a historic show. So uh, even without the match of the year thing, it, it almost puts me into that A level. So I'm yeah, B plus A minus. I'm kind of right there. I think I'll probably go A minus just because of the historic nature of it. The presentation of it was top notch. I loved a lot of the little things they did, even just down to having Machine Head as the theme. That was really cool. The special entrance music, you know, we had Metallica, we had Queen, all of that was really cool. Uh, and so it came across as big as any WWE show, both in sheer numbers of fans, but also with the production. And uh, this is one that even without a, a maybe a true match of the year, we're going to see the highlights of this forever. So I think I have to put it in the A range. Track. I'll go A minus. And Jesse, can you hear us now? Yes, I can. Perfectly. Okay. Give us your grade. There's only one thing that kept it from being a flat A for me, so I'm definitely going A minus. I'm a little higher than the two of you, I think. I did get the advantage of a half of a second viewing today. I got through the first two matches twice and the last two matches twice. I will explain the reason why I'm dropping this from an A to an A minus, as tedious as this is when we get to that match. Okay. Because everything else was unreal. Presentation, yeah. the crowd. Thank you, Carl, for representing TRN and amongst the 80,000 others. I mean, it. I was glued to pr almost every match. And I'm usually not like that when I'm at home or I'm with friends. There are times where my, my brain will kind of scatter and mm -hmm. I'll be off in space. But no, this was one of those rare times where I was glued from start to finish. Uh, Tim chimed in the chat, said FTR versus Bucks was match of the year level. Won't win, but it was excellent. I, I agree. It was a great match. I just, I don't know if I'd have that on my ballot. We'll see at the end of the year. I got to rewatch it, though, to be to be honest. Uh, I did really like the match, although I didn't think it was at the level of their other two matches. I think it was just, to me, it was missing. I don't think the build to it was great. It was missing something, even though it was, uh, <laughs> even though it was very good. Ryan was glued to his Guinness, Tim says. In the, that's true. Uh, Carl, I don't know if you went back and watched our live thread. I had a few Guinnesses during this show. Yeah, I, I smiled at that because I had um, seeked out a um, pub in central London on Saturday that had been raised at the best Guinness in central London. And um, yeah, it was messes about the influence that sent it. Like, yeah, thank you for this part. It's really good. It's actually the cheapest part I had in London. Um, oh, wow. Which is bonkers because it was in Mayfair, which is one of the more expensive parts of the city. Yeah. Um, here's where our viewers were at with the poll over on twitter uh we had yeah about 54 percent gave this show an a another 30 percent a b i mean it has to be a or b there's your usual trolls chiming in with their d and c votes but i mean yeah I, that that kind of shows this is you know the very top level wwe AEW pay-per-views this is kind of the response they get um Maybe sometimes a little bit more even one-sided on the A, but I mean, overwhelmingly A, B. So a, a resounding success, no doubt about it. Um, Carl, what, what was your match of the night? FGR Young Bucks, um, without yeah. a doubt. They absolutely hit it out of the park with what they did and left enough in the tank, I feel, for further matches down the line, which you know can sometimes be a criticism that too much is done. But actually, the way they, the match finished, yeah, they've, they've got more in tank. And I mean, yeah, hopefully they'll go again soon um, because otherwise it's 
that tag division just needs to boosting up that bit more from where it's been at recently. Mm-hmm. Were you were you surprised by the result? Yeah. Yes. Um, I jumped out my seat and cheered <laughs> because I'm on FDR. But yeah, I, I was expecting the Bucks to win, and maybe that's maybe you know what I'm, what I'm touching on there. That they're, they're going to have to get the belts of FDR because you know Cash is going to do some time. You would expect even in Florida, they're still he's still going to get a you know at least a you know obligatory bit of time inside. You would think found guilty. I'm not. I'm not certain on that. I because. Like we talked about on the pod, this might be a difficult one to prove. I don't know if this mm. result shows AEW's own conviction on how this is going to turn out, no pun intended. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, like, if, if they don't think it's going to stick, then obviously they, they felt comfortable going with this result. But, I mean, I was I was stunned because I, I figured if there's any uncertainty, they got to just move the titles over the Young Bucks. And so I, w- I was stunned, which added to the match, though, with that uncertainty for sure. Jesse, your your thoughts? I mean, it's unanimous slam dunk match of the night for me. Completely shocked by the outcome. Was very impressed with the callbacks throughout the match. I love the cash wheeler missed 450 back into the super kick. Ended up being a two. I mean, it was a slow, gradual build all the way through. And it ended just phenomenally just hitting the shatter machine. And yeah, I'm, I'm sure. And Carl, you could probably attest to this as well. Is probably the people that were around you were just as shocked as you were. Yeah, and to answer uh, Tim's question about was there a wheeler chant, there were multiple interesting chants going on um, during that match. Um, from a couple from two people that will will mention during the Terea match that um, I had some interaction with at the out during the outcome of that match. Uh, but yeah, they um, there was a lot of shock. The guys sat next to me were just saying like he was an FTR guy as well, you know. Bucks with it. This is a finish. This is a finish. And yeah, it shocked us, but you know, good on them. Because I think that, as you say, added to the match and the intrigue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, my match of the night, too. No question about it. They got the second most time of, of any match on the show. Only more was uh, MJF and Adam Cole. So they gave them the time to work. Um, Young Bucks had that new entrance, like that kind of intro song, and then they they turned it into their old theme. That was okay. I, I, I was happy with that they kept the traditional theme they've had. I think that was that's a better theme. I think it's a pretty good theme. So um, that, that added, though, kind of made the match feel special. You know, they had a, a little bit different presentation when they came out. Uh, but yeah, it was. I was stunned by the result. Very good match. I would like to watch it a second time. Might be in a couple of days because I got to finish watching SummerSlam 98 tonight because tomorrow night we're doing Top Rope Nation Classics on that. So in a few days, I will rewatch this card. But uh, I, I I have no qualms about this. Uh, possibly in Tim's words, maybe it'll be considered for in the match of the year conversation, but it was a it was a fantastic match. Um, let's see. So I guess we can really quickly just touch on, you know, the pre-show. We had a lot of discussion about this last week on what they would do with the ROH tag titles. And I was pretty steadfast in my belief that Cole and NJF had to win. Otherwise it would undermine their main event. If they lost to two guys that a bulk of the audience didn't know, what would that say about your main event? It does suck that the ROH tag titles are kind of being used as a prop. I think someone said that in our, in our Facebook group, but I do think in the long run, they put over another new team and they, and they make good on this and it'll be fine. 
uh, you could tell Aussie Open when they made their entrance. I mean, really taking this all in for these guys to be on a show of, of this level. I thought the match itself was worked very safe, as you would expect, but it was still good. You know, you had the uh, kangaroo kick getting a good response from the crowd, as you would expect. You got the double clothesline. Um, it was pretty standard. Nothing super special. You, you did the title change. And uh, how, Carl, how'd the crowd react to this? Seeing the two main eventers in the opening match. Well, they reacted well. It was a, it was a, it was a really wise move putting on early. You know, you filled out the stadium ready for the main show. I think most people expected MJF and Cole to win on the day when they're actually looking at it and thinking, okay, there's two there's two good reasons for it to happen. One, you don't want your main event is losing in the opener. Um, and also, Aussie Open probably need to be moved into the AEW tag title division to, to bulk up that. And as you say, actually, you know, given there's a quite a bit of uncertainty about, you know, MGS next opponent, maybe Cole and MGF do do a bit of a run with these belts and put someone over, and that's maybe where the turn happens. Um, you know, we'll talk about in the main event. I think I do think it needs to be a turn before the match rather than a turn in the match. I mean, last night proved that and how that was booked. But mm-hmm. yeah, it went down well. Crowd are into it. To say MGF, um, his crossover appeal is evident with some of the casual fans that were in attendance. They were all talking about MGF. You know, he was he was the big talking point. More than Punk, more than the Bucks, more than FTR. People were talking about MGF, and that bodes well, given it, you know, he's a young guy, and, you know, you would assume he's signed up for beyond 2024. You, mm-hmm. you would hope so. Yeah, I, I don't buy that there's any question about this guy's future. <laughs> you know, the way... I don't think you, you strap him up and push him like you are unless you got an agreement in place, but... They'll, they'll keep selling that as long as they can. So um, I think with the other pre-show match and the opening match on the show, this could be a, a pretty large discussion um, <laughs> given today's news going on. I haven't checked in the last half hour because there's some speculation on this. But all right, real quickly, Hook defeats Jack Perry to win the FTW title. This was the second match on the pre-show, the only other match on the pre-show. They drove out Perry in a limo got this special entrance and uh you know he ends up they have this spot on the glass in the car and perry looks at the camera and he talks about it being real glass cry me a river which is obviously a shot at cm punk and the story a couple of weeks ago that punk told him backstage that he should use worked glass sugar glass and not real glass because it's not safe and the story was making the rounds and so then Jack Perry goes on TV and and he says that. I've, did anyone notice that in the crowd, uh, Carl? I wouldn't think so. So no, no, no one knows that at all. I will say that this was the correct result in my opinion. I think Jack Perry's heel work is horrendous. I do not think it's good. Maybe he's improved a little bit. I didn't think he'd keep the belt on him. Meanwhile, Hook is a guy who's had so much upside the last couple of years and he's kind of vanished recently. So I think rather than putting this energy into Perry right now, they should be putting into hook. So I think that this is the correct decision. I, the, the Jack Perry heel turn has yet to click for me. Uh, Jesse, what do you think of the result here? 
perfect. And especially in hindsight, looking what Jack Perry did, I'm assuming as a one-off on his own, it wasn't, he went into business for himself as most, I think, industry people would tell you. Here's the big question from here is, and I guess, I don't know if this could open up the can of worms now or we do it later, Jack Perry and Mr. Punk and where they go, suspensions, the whole nine yards. I mean, this is all alleged until proven otherwise and suspensions are handed out or lack thereof. Yeah. So I said at the open, we would wait for you to get on so we can talk about this. So we can dive into it right now. All right. So after the match, this ends the pre-show. The first match of the main show, Punk and Samoa Joe. Apparently, that so there was this backstage interaction. Some of the stories vary on on who bumped each other first or all that, but I think essentially what we know is Punk was in gorilla position with Joe and Tony Khan, and per- Perry comes back through the curtain, and he was looking at Punk, and Punk said something along the lines of "What's your problem?" Having seen what he said to the camera. And uh, Perry approached him and said something about do something about it. Isn't that the quote I saw? Are you going to do something about it or some, something along those lines? And then here it gets a little sketchy, but either Punk shoved him right away or Perry kind of chest bumped him and then Punk shoved him back. Either way, they like shoved each other and then Punk grabbed him in like a front face lock type hold almost to like contain the situation. Nobody threw a punch or nobody was hit with a punch. At least we know right now Um, they were pulled apart and there was some thought at this point in time that they might have to change the match order. And there was some panic backstage that punk wouldn't be able to go on right then, but he got, you know, composure and they went out and he had the match with Joe and they had a tremendous match by the way. And and punk entered with the old uh, ROH jacket on, with the straight edge logo on the back. I thought that was really cool. He wore that out for uh, the dog collar match with MJF uh, back at revolution. And uh, I mean, yeah. So who's at fault for this? I mean, clearly here's what I'll say. I have a lot of mixed feelings about this. (laughs) It's all, it's, it's all pretty recent. As Jesse knows, we've been texting about this and I've been somewhat vocal on some of it. Here's what I'll say on air. Clearly Jack Perry acted really dumb. He went into business for himself. As you said, Jesse, it was really stupid for a guy of his level right now to do on the biggest show this company has ever had. You know you're baiting CM Punk. Why would you do that? I've heard that Punk has basically repaired bridges with almost everyone backstage and that there are very few people not getting along with them right now, but Perry is one of them. So knowing that Punk has kind of smoothed things over, you do this, clearly trying to bait the guy. And then you come up backstage and he said, what's your problem? And you say, yeah, do something about it. Come on. you're. I mean, Jack Perry, what? You're trying to make a name for yourself. Are you trying to sabotage your career? That's just dumb from that perspective. At the same time, CM Punk, we know that he can't contain himself in these situations. And he behaved ignorantly as well. He should have put his hands on the guy. So there's blame there too. I think Perry clearly started it. Punk should not have taken the bait. He can't help himself. It's his personality. He shouldn't have taken the bait. He did. Tony Khan clearly, we've said this many times in the past, he just, he doesn't have control of the locker room. Carl and I were talking before we went on the air. 
you know, he needs to have more authority. You need someone else in there that can command their locker room. We have wrestlers with too much power in this company. This goes beyond punk. Other people in this company have too much power as performers. It's not a good look. It's not a good recipe for success. And apparently the last thing I saw was Brian Alvarez was saying that there was like going to be an investigation, even though the owner of the company was right there. Uh, there's going to be an investigation and he believes both guys are going to be suspended. And Alvarez speculated that that would mean both would miss all out. And I have a big problem with that. Not just because I'm going to the show, but you just had a guy who has a gun charge against him work this show. And now these guys who didn't even throw punches are both suspended for the next show. You got to have some consistency here. Now, if, if you would have said cash Wheeler can't work the show because of this situation. Okay. That's one thing. And then these guys, they can't work the show. All right. You're being consistent. Look, I don't, I don't manage grown ass pro wrestlers, but I do teach teenagers and they could be a little crazy too. <laughs> I can tell you if I don't get command of the classroom early, they know that they can walk all over you. And if you're not consistent with your punishments, someone will call you out on it and they will not have respect for you. There is no consistency here in the punishments. You can And I think it's just from a business perspective, Jesse, I mean if Punk's not on that show, are the fans going to take over the show chanting for CM Punk the whole night? I mean, you booked the largest arena of the United States in the guy's hometown. And all he did was shove a guy and contain him in a headlock. And he's not going to be on the show. But the guy who allegedly held a gun up in traffic was fine to work Wembley Stadium. Where This is my problem with this whole thing. There's no consistency, Jesse. Go ahead, sir. You summed it up way better than I could, especially since no one has, at least not that I've seen from discourse online today, is that no one's brought up the light, the, the fact that Cash Wheeler was able to travel. We were speculating Friday, or no, we were speculating, yeah, it was on a Friday, the 18th, but we were speculating on our last show whether or not he was even going to be able allowed to go if his visa was lost and all of that. So there isn't anything when it comes to equal punishment, or at least not that we know of. CM Punk is held to a high, like a top spot in the hierarchy. I mean, he has his own show, technically. Yeah. So he's, I guess, in a sense, he's he's Khan's right hand man at least at the moment because he's running one side, and then I'm assuming Khan is running AEW Dynamite with maybe some input from the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, possibly John Moxley. But again, that's the problem. We don't have another executive vice president who is not an active performer. Yeah. You don't have a policeman or a policewoman. We just have anarchy behind the scenes because there's not that mother or that father figure or, for that matter, a roundtable of people that can rein something in and prevent something like this from happening when going into business for yourself on television is not the answer. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, Jungle Boy obviously is a 25-year-old child. And he antagonized a 45-year-old man who has a very short fuse. Thankfully, he knows this. I mean, like, what are you doing? Yes. I'll, no, I'll, I'll close it up in just saying, thankfully, that Punk didn't throw a punch, or at least yes. not that we know of. And he was able to 
refrain from doing anything harmful because this is chance number two, maybe chance number three. He's only been in the promotion for the last, not just barely over two months. He was gone rehabbing a tricep injury and technically suspended. I mean, I don't know, man. Like, given the Cash Wheeler thing, I'm not sure this incident is worthy of a suspension. I mean, you can, because no shot, you know, they didn't, no shots, no pun intended again. No, no punches were, you know, they didn't, nobody punched anybody. I, yeah, some shoving, put the guy in a headlock to try to calm the situation down before it gets more crazy. Um, and there was thoughts that Punk could quit after this. Punk has very much been vocal that he wants a drama-free locker room, which is why he has made the moves he's made on Collision, where he's banned people from the... He just doesn't even want to take a chance. He wants to like have no drama in the locker room. And here he couldn't avoid it. And then the guy goes on live television, and he takes a shot at him, which is, you know, we know the hangman situation he got so pissed about because he went off script and said the thing in the promo that nobody noticed, but he noticed. Well, here everybody noticed it. Everyone knew they plugged in online what what Jack Perry was talking about here. 25-year-old child, I mean, you're exactly right. We know Punk's reputation backstage is far from sterling among a lot of people. Um, He's been trying to rebuild that reputation. I know that Jack Perry's reputation ain't super great backstage. I can tell you that for sure. There are some people in AEW that thinks he has an attitude problem, that thinks he's arrogant which is commonplace in pro wrestling, I would say, but like there, he does kind of have that reputation. So these are two just combustible elements and it could have been way worse than it was. You know, Punk, I think just putting the guy in the hold until they got pulled apart was way better than the alternative. Was it good? No, you shouldn't put your hands on the guy. You should know better by now. You've been in the business a long time and the other guys should have known what was going to happen. So and then there's Tony Khan. <laughs> so, Carly, would you like to chime in? Yeah, I think you've got to cover all the points. I mean, Punk, I, how is this any worse than Brett and Sean in 97? And they were up kept for TV for like three or four weeks. Um, I get maybe potentially because of a little lot of traveling going on today that they've put out these feet, part of these you know, statements through Alvarez, through um, Houseman, I think, put some stuff out about this potential suspension. I think just to hold hold things back a little bit, I would be shocked if what we're hearing is true that those suspensions stick. My worry is that if there is truly suspensions and there's more to it, if Punk, for, if Punk did throw a punch legally, I don't know where that would leave him because... I'm assuming as part of his return, there was some sort of, we know there's some illegal agreements in place, um, mm-hmm. certain things he has to meet. Um, I just think people need to, on all sides, just need to firstly look at what happened last Thursday. And actually, life is far too short to be bringing petty politics in. Yes. And Tony needs to look at a company he referenced in his post-show scrum, WCW, because he talked about things going in the last 22 years. Well, one thing that did go WCW was having multiple top-end performers with too much political control. Not just Hulk Hogan, Kevin Nash. Eric Bischoff was an active performer and was involved in creative process. You had people like Dusty, 
um, Sullivan, all involved in that creative process, who all had interests or political reasons. Mike Graham wanted to constantly bury Benoit and co. It didn't work out in the long term for WCW. They ended up with a massive budget, becoming a money loser. And do you not think the Khan family at some point, if AEW started losing that sort of money, which is not likely, would pull the plug? Of course they would. So Tony needs to take you know take a step backward and go, we're having these issues in the locker room. I'm having one of my top stars saying, effectively, it'd be like, John Cena saying in the mid to late 2000s, Lauren Isis isn't coming to SmackDown while I'm on there as head of talent relations, but effectively what Punk has said with Chris Daniels. And actually, should Chris Daniels be head of talent relations? Really? As someone who's a fairly recently retired performer, so he still technically could be class and active performer. I just think Tony needs to look at his management structures and get some more people without horses and horses in the race involved because these issues are going to continue to happen and it's not it's not good for anyone and the platform they've built in the last few months of all in and with this you know link to the uk and the Warner Warner brothers deal as potential streaming deal that they may have which we'll see them doing more shows it, it, there needs to be a tighter shit run and tony needs to if he can't manage it because it's not got that personality Bring the bring the people and you can do it for him. Mm-hmm. You can sell book, you know, help book shows and book shows, but get someone else in there to command this locker room because, yeah, you, you obviously can't have this kind of thing. I know Fightful's report had noted that Perry was going to be going on vacation, like he had a pre-approved vacation. I believe that was in their initial report on this. And I, I mean, if that's truly the case. It's even more irresponsible for this guy to be like, I'm about to be gone for a while, so I'm just going to start some shit. I mean, how arrogant is that? And then, I mean, I I also saw, I think, Wade Keller from The Torch, he had said that, uh, and this kind of jive with what I said in the Facebook group last night when this was all going down, that uh, backstage, Perry was getting most of the blame for this among talent. That, uh, you know, it wasn't, we've had obviously situations where the talent came down hard on Punk, but here, I mean, According to the locker room, Perry's taking most of the heat on this one, and I think that's should be the case, and that's that's what's happened. That doesn't mean there's no blame for CM Punk. He should have touched the guy, obviously. He has a short fuse. He should know better. But this kid should not have done this, and it was super irresponsible, and it's it's put creative in a bind now because they've been booking out this world title situation. I know that Cole and MJF have been very hands-on with that in – they have a long-term plan for where this is going, and this obviously screws that all up if Punk's really suspended or if he's out totally. And I really like the real world's champion thing. I mean, I'm really, really looking forward to a unification match between Punk and MJF. These guys have had awesome matches in the past. To lose out on that kind of money with the buy rate that would draw, I mean, hell, we talked about it last week. It could, could do it in Chicago. They still could do it in Chicago. Maybe they tell Punk, all right, you work this match, you're dropping the belt, you're, you know, you're losing to Max, whatever. But I do think it's a it's a long-term story with lots of money they can draw. And now this has thrown a wrench into that. And you know, Jack Perry shouldn't be shouldn't be thrown around his way to screw with the main event title picture. You know, no, not from someone who's gone on the brink of being a potential contender. You know, you look six months ago, we had the match with Christian. I I believe came on the show or maybe the one before saying that he's, you know, he's one more big feud away from 
being into that picture and he's just he's going down the car. He's gone yeah. from a, a problem feud with Christian to you know messing around with Hook. I like Hook, but he's messing around with Hook on the pre-show for a, a fake title, really, in my opinion. You know, so yeah, he should be thinking, I don't want to be taking these risks in my career. But clearly, he's got an actually problem. He did some um, public appearances over here in the UK, actually, some more some in the town I live, and the overwhelming feedback was he came across as an absolute tool, just <laughs> unapproachable, arrogant, wow. and it's like you, you know. Where I live is a really working class down to earth area, and they just hated him. Mm. It's not, I mean, it's not, it's not hard to believe. <laughs> That's not hard to believe based on some things I've heard. So, unfor- super unfortunate all around. Very frustrating. Everyone's talking about this coming off such an awesome show that did so much for this company. Jesse, the vacation wrinkle is something I didn't know. So, if you add that in, then this makes it even worse. It's then that almost puts the Honus 95.5 on Jack Perry over CM Punk. I have two things. I have a small concern, but I'm willing to let it play out, especially since this is a different company, that AEW's All In could, in a different way, resemble WrestleMania 17, where, oh you, where you hit the peak. You have a tremendous card, I think this all-in card is top three in the history of the promotion. WrestleMania 17 hit its peak. WWE hit its peak. However, that was because of something that happened on screen. You're having something else happen completely off screen. You're having a main player that could potentially be suspended once again, reprimanded once again. And if you take that piece of the puzzle away... That is going to, in turn, mess with the order of events moving forward. And like you stated earlier, Ryan, is that the examples of nobody there to enforce it. We're going to continue to hammer this home. There needs to be some powwow, kumbaya, just a, a meeting where this isn't three strikes and you're out anymore. This is one strike and you're either suspended or you're let go. And they could even, depending on who you are, they could either let you go or just because, hey, and this is the way the wrestling business has worked, because you're Shawn Michaels and you do something, you're going to get suspended. Whereas somebody who's a lesser talent and it happens to them, they're fired. That's just the way it goes. And there wasn't any wrongful termination stuff going on back then in the 90s. I mean, I don't know how that would work in 2023, but this, that was just word soup coming out of my mouth right there just kind of kind of my collective thoughts on the whole situation um i'm trying to look into the vacation thing let's see i think maybe the the way it's written is a little confusing so alvarez had written at one point earlier this month jungle boy had a vacation planned he wanted to do a pre-taped angle with a car to write him off tv for that week punk told him no he felt it was too dangerous to do a broken glass spot and said they cared about safety Jungle Boy was upset about that. That is very different from the story that Jack wanted to do a dangerous spot as a way to avoid having to go to work. So apparently the vacation was about after this car spot from a few weeks ago, not after all in. I think I have that wrong. And the Fightful report says to clear up a misconception regarding their prior argument 
and Perry trying to not come to work the next week. We're told he had a pre-planned and approved vacation. Okay, so the vacation was before All In. I got that wrong. That wasn't after All In. Well, now he's on vacation anyways, based on uh, the suspension, apparently, that is happening. So a lot of wrinkles to this story. Yeah. He also got a full endorsement from Christian Cage for that for that uh, four way main event at Double or Nothing. They yeah, all no got kidding. endorsements from their mentors. You had the Luchasaurus match at Full Gear, which was arguably a show stealer last year. Carl mentioned the the match with Christian at at Revolution, so he was definitely on the ascension. It, now it's just a problem of a heel turn gone wrong. And now backstage antics and just his ability to not necessarily play nice, but to just do his job is now Mm. fearing in his career and is not going to be looked at lightly anywhere that he goes. They're going to look at him if this starts to really rise up through the cracks as a potential locker room cancer. So the chance of him being hired, look at look at a Tessa Blanchard who can't get hired anywhere. I know Jungle Boy's not to that extent, but just think about what this could do for his career. Yeah, I mean, this kid who a lot of people thought had the pedigree to be a big star, uh, and he's been given every opportunity to succeed by this promotion. You don't want the you don't want this reputation as the guy in the middle of the card who potentially could work his way up, but wants to start shit with the main eventers. You know, unscripted stuff. Go into business for yourself. That's never good. Uh, certainly, though, like he hasn't earned the freedom to be doing that kind of thing. Uh, nor should I mean, it shouldn't ever happen to begin with. But like he doesn't have the stature in the company to get away with that. Like, doesn't he understand CM Punk has a lot of sway backstage? <laughs> we have seen this over the course of the history of AEW. So. In the end, I do think there's responsibility for everybody. I think it was really dumb for Punk to put his hands on the kid, even though he was goaded into it. We know he takes the bait. But I, honest to God, I blame Jungle Boy more, Jack Perry, on this. I think he I think he went into business for himself, and it was really stupid given the enormity of this event. And, I mean, the whole thing's pretty disgusting, though. So I don't, I don't really have anything else to say unless you guys do. All right, we'll, we will see what happens this week and how that affects next weekend because they they got Wednesday night to really put together a car. I mean, they can do some stuff on Collision, but you're 24 hours from the show at that point. I mean, Wednesday needs to be a hell of a dynamite because we got five matches announced for All Out right now. None of them are main event level, and so we'll see what they do. Uh, let's breeze through the rest of this, you guys. We already talked about FTR and the Bucks. Uh, the six-man... Bullet Club Gold, Takeshita taking on the Elite. This was interesting, by the way, the way the match order was. Because, you know, you had Perry right before Punk. Then Punk's out there with Joe. And uh, and then you had the six-man with the Elite right after Punk was out there. Um, Punk winning, by the way, didn't surprise me at all. I thought that was a very solid match. I mean, there's a lot of people with qualms about doing this match after they already had the one where Punk beat him in the Owen tournament clean. I think, you know, yeah, you can definitely make a case that that's not how that should have played out. But that said, I thought they had a very good match. And I know, Jesse, you really like that one on the rewatch. Yes, two consummate professionals and having watched every Punk and Joe match at least twice that includes their collision one. I got to, yeah, this one, while this was definitely better than the collision one, I, I love how well that they know each other with some of the transitions and the spot where Joe just went to move out of the way of a punk elbow and punk held on. 
And later on, Joe moved out of the way eventually up to his antics. And it was interesting to me that one Pepsi plunge was the finish, especially on a night where finishers were a plenty and only ended up in two counts, which was a huge gripe of mine throughout this show. But for the opener, I loved this Punk and Joe match, especially Punk still playing in the Hollywood Hogan role in AEW. I was a little nervous when he did the Pepsi plunge. I'm not going to lie. Just with the injury history, like, oof, his knees take this. But uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. Too many kickouts. But I, I was I was fine with that being the finish here. I think it's more effective. Showed the power of the move. So, uh, Carl, anything on the match itself with Punk and Joe? No, I think um, I don't think it hurt Joe losing because he basically beat the crap out of Punk. And mm-hmm. the Pepsi plunge is quite a nice thing to Force Punk to go back to something that he's only used once in his AW career. I think he used it against MGF. Um, so he's having to go back to how he beat Joe when he was doing Ring of Honor. So that made sense. Um, Joe's, for me, always someone who's a handful of good matches and squashes to being, you know, back amongst the, the top, top top end of performance. So actually, him losing here, I don't think it's a big deal. And it, the crowd went from, I would say, 60 to 65% booze for Punk. Certainly in the stadium, it felt a little more booze and cheer for Punk. Crowd popped really well. So it showed <laughs> how big a heel he really is. I think he's he's very much the Hollywood Hogan, as you say. It's, it's playing to an audience and a senior element to it, but people love him and respect him. Joe is also a credible op- opponent for anyone moving forward. So, yeah, I I was perfectly fine with how it ended. Yeah, I mean, you can't beat Punk with him doing the real world title thing. And so, I mean, the result was never in doubt. But, yeah, very good match. Again, one I'm excited to watch a second time. Uh, the six-man was, I mean, it was a highlight reel match for sure. Basically sets up Takeshita and Kenny Omega at All Out next weekend. Um, I thought Juice Robinson was very good. I mean, his personality always pops off the screen, and it was no different here. We had, um, in the end, we had Takeshita rolling up Omega for the pinfall. And, uh, I, I mean, it was, like I said, very fast-paced. Jay White saved Takeshita from the V-trigger, and then there was the roll-up on Omega by Takeshita for, for the victory. Uh, crowd really into the elite, Carl? Yeah, um, Paige got a particularly big pop when he, he came out and he had the superstar entrance with the, the pyro. Um, watching it back uh, this afternoon, I felt Jay White stood out, particularly in terms of looking like he really fitted in that big stage. Um, and Tekeska, you know, in ring, is fantastic. I still think there's some work to be done as a character and that's why Callis is with him, but Palace has only taken so far in that role, but you know we've got a match with him and Omega all out, which I think probably will end up being the match of the night. Um, certainly based on what we've got booked so far, it's, it'll be hands down the match of the night. Uh, yeah, Juice Robinson, someone I've always blown a little bit hot and cold with because he does amuse me wildly. Like the guns amuse me wildly in, on the outside, but first impressions of Juice Robinson was him bouncing around looking like a 
a low rent Shawn Michaels in New Japan, and it's just that's <laughs> very hard for me to get get away from. But yeah, in this role, he's you know the sort of half lackey for for Jay. He's a really yeah. good role for him. Yeah, Jesse. I dislike Juice Robinson so much in New Japan, and I'm starting to like him more in AEW. I don't know where just enter- in the he's world just entertaining. I mean, yeah, he, the personality he's entertaining. I think it all started with him yelling Ricky at Ricky Starks and how he yells it. It's just, yeah, it top notch. Kota Bushi, wel- welcome back to the pro wrestling world. You you looked <laughs> healthier this time. You looked like you cared. Thank you so much. We we appreciate your contributions to the six man match. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that that's Hunting the code. Actually, I, like they connect this time. <laughs> exactly, that's the code I, I remember. I mean, not the hundred percent, but still pretty pretty he darn did, close. He, did, he looked a little bit like he was walking a little leisurely on his feet. I noticed a few times. You know, remember he had the excuse about the glass or whatever, and in uh, blood and guts, he still kind of looked like he was walking kind of carefully. But yeah, he was night and day better than that match. Yes, Hangman and Takeshita look like the future. And now I am blown away by both. Takeshita's put on some muscle. I mean, he looks even bigger than he did before. I, it's just, I think we got a, a star in our hands the next couple of years. It's, as long as the transition into uh, into the United States is is a seamless one, I'd say. As long as he doesn't struggle with the language barrier, I think he's going to come, come across as a top-notch heel. One last thing, by the way. Jim Ross, why is everything golden? Because because Golden is in the elite's name, <laughs> Jim. Come on, Jim, now. are you watching the prod- product, man? Yeah. <laughs> you guys has has this stadium stampede anarchy in the arena? Has it worn out its welcome? I mean, how did how did this come across in the venue, Carl? Because I've I've been there for um, like I was at Anarchy in the Arena in Vegas, and that one was a lot of fun at Double or Nothing. But it is it, it's it's hard to see what's going on. Obviously, you're looking all over the place. I thought watching on TV, it was almost like there were there were still the spots that made you cringe, and it was you know super bloody and stuff. But I can't say I was into this one as much as the past ones. How how did it come across with the crowd? Yeah, it it was very difficult to follow. Um, one of my learns from this show was pit seats are fantastic. If you're in the first section, beyond that, you're seeing nothing in the ring. You're you're literally, particularly, I'm barely five foot six, so I've got no chance um, <laughs> in the Giants. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'll be getting um, tiered seats next time. Get along next year. Yeah, it was very difficult to follow, and I was where I was sat. I was near the uh, the entrance to my right, so I was for a lot of the match, looking up and seeing what Kingston and Claudio and co were doing up up in the um, in the dots, because I was like, they're not going to do a bump on, there's not some crash mats underneath the padding behind the entrance, because I was so fearful of doing something really stupid. But you could follow it on the screens, and we saw the big spots. I think there was a bit of fatigue with it after around about five minutes. I think it kind of tipped when the um, he had the spot with um, Penta and Moxley with the I'd call them chopsticks. Um, I think people were like, "Yeah, we're we're checking if we're doing that five minutes into a match. What on earth?" But yeah, it's just yeah, it's just super difficult to follow. And even watching it back, no one can produce that 
it doesn't matter how good a producer you are, there's so much going on. And I think it's been done a bit too much now and it needs to probably be given a bit a bit like Chris Jericho needs to maybe have six, twelve months out. Mm-hmm. Did John Moxley was that a piece of skin hanging off of his forehead? Yes. Did you notice that? That was yeah. horrendous looking. Oh my god! Yeah. It, it, it went a bit deep. I think the spot went a little bit deeper than it should have done. <sighs> Unnecessary. Yeah. I. I mean, it was. I mean, in the end, I guess you you saw that uh, Orange Cassidy can get hardcore, you know, and uh, he got the pinfall, wrapped his hand in the glass covered duct tape hit Claudio with the orange punch, scored the victory for his team. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think desensitized is the word. It didn't carry, I mean, it was a spectacle. There's nothing really that stands out to me other than uh, like, the, yeah, the acupuncture sticks in Moxley's head. The shot of Moxley and Kingston like against the table with with the barbed wire, motionless. And the finish, and like the rest is kind of there for me. I don't, I don't know. Jesse, thoughts? I like this one a little bit more than most, but it, I think bring this back in three years when it warrants it instead of making mm-hmm. it tradition. Yeah. I mean, especially since, as Carl alluded to, that there's probably 77,000 people that have had a real hard time following it. This is where it helps to be at home to watch something like this. Trent took a very nasty pile driver by John Moxley that was just wicked I only have a, a couple of more things that I'm I liked about this as well with the the best friends all hugging while Weeder Liuta was just a, a pool in the middle of the ring I thought that was a tremendous callback I also said is Orange Cassidy Jean-Claude Van Damme and kickboxer that <laughs> the with the glass against Tong Po where they're getting ready to brawl in Thailand I I really like the finish as well with with Orange B utilizing that that sugar glass on on Claudio and I I want to see Eddie and Mox more than I want to see anything out of this match and welcome back Santana and Ortiz I actually thought they did a very good job especially being gone for as long as they were yeah yeah good point all right this women's match um, I think you're gonna have some fun things to share here Carl but we did have Soraya. Maybe shocking the world. Man, it wasn't so shocking, though, after her entrance because they paid all this money to play queen and she comes out to We Will Rock You. At that point, I'm thinking, oh, man, she's going to win the title, isn't she? Uh, taking on Tony Storm, Hikaru Shida, the champion, and Britt Baker. And yeah, almost nine-minute match. They did the spot with Soraya's family at ringside where, um, you know, uh, Tony accidentally hit her mom and then Soraya gets pissed at her. So we're kind of headed towards this story now where like Soraya is splitting from the outcast. It feels like uh, you had Ruby Soho running down as well. And everyone else just kind of playing second fiddle to that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what this means for Soraya as champion. I, I would not have predicted it coming in, but it seemed like they were booking this show for the moments, you know, for the home country you know, like they wanted to see Soraya win the title. I, I am sure you were overjoyed, Carl, with Soraya's victory, weren't you? So this was my part break match. So I didn't only miss the first couple of minutes because the entrances took a little bit longer with being four girls coming out. Um, I've never been a big Soraya fan. In, but in, she's, un, she's unsufferable at times, um, particularly in the latter days of WWE. 
I booed when she won, said, you don't deserve it, you suck. And two people in front of me moaned at me. These are two people that booed CM Punk and then cheered CM Punk. So, yeah. Um, And they were also chanting about um, how she's got a gun. So I don't hold their opinion in particularly high regard, to be quite frank. Mm. Um, Yeah, it was booked for the moment. And I was saying to you, Ryan, before we came on air, this is one of Tony Khan's problems, is that he's a nice bloke and he'll make decisions like this when actually the decision should have been keep the belt from Sheeta because give her the run because she actually could, you know, have good matches. She can wrestle regularly and not convince, despite what Soraya says, she is able to reg- regularly wrestle. And you don't have the problem of the fact that what What's Soraya? Is Soraya a face now? Is she a heel? If she's a face, she'll be back heel in a couple of months because she's not got that likability at all. And in that instance, if you just stick with the hand and it's clearly being done, I think, for a Mercedes match down the line, but I don't think that's happening for a number of months. She was still wearing a walking boot yesterday, so Mm -hmm. she's not healed. She's probably two, possibly three months away from recovery. And then do you want to go straight into that? Or so you're looking probably revolution. I can't see Soraya carrying a belt for six months. I really, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if she loses it to Storm, straight back to Storm. And it's like, you're back where you started. And Storm's whole character about losing her mind kind of goes out the window because she's got the belt again. It's, yeah, it, it didn't go down well with me. It went down reasonably well with some home fans. One good thing about watching this live versus watching on the video, I didn't get to hear the Knight family's vocal interjections during a match. Um, again, a family I don't hold in particularly high esteem and they're lucky they weren't, you know, haven't gone the way of some of us from the speaking out um, stuff from, uh, you know, three years ago because there's a lot, a lot of smoke to those fires from, from growing up in Norwich. There definitely was. Yeah, I was just going to say, you grew up in the same area. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, your opinion carries some weight here. Yeah, I don't know if they do a rematch at all. Like, do they do Sheeta and her, and Sheeta wins it right back? And the outcast costs Soraya the title? I mean, it just feels kind of pointless to do that. But the whole thing is odd because you made this point that Sheeta didn't have her chance, and then you already take it off of her. And there's always this criticism out there that, Tony's book in the WWE women too strong over the homegrown talent. And like, this just plays into it. I don't know, man. I mean, it, you know, if you're a Soraya fan, it was a nice moment, you know, for her thing, you know, thought she'd never wrestle again and everything, but there's a lot of logistical problems with this booking wise, Jesse. I have a lot of things to say, but I'm going to condense it as quick as I can. Tony Khan bought Soraya for 75 cents on the dollar in terms of her talent and where she's at health-wise. She hasn't wrestled in six, seven years prior to Full Gear last year. So, And she's been relatively inactive for the, like in, over the course of the last 10 months. So the ring rust is obviously still there. She's great in a managerial role. I thought she did a good job in the WWE too, but to, to crown her as champion, he was truly hoping when he made this announcement that Saray would be up to speed by now and she'd be able to carry this torch for a while. And now all it's going to be seen as is number one, a moment and number two, she's going to be a transitional champion. Mm -hmm. All right. Women in the death spot. 
We see this argument online all the time. I am going to, if you're a fan of women's wrestling, fast forward right now, please. Oh, uh-oh. <laughs> I'm going to be blunt. I don't think Tony Khan really cares that much about this division, like at all. He's going to throw you that bone with the occasional Dynamite main event like Britain Thunder Rosa had. Sheeta's, I know, had a couple of main events, but it's usually, it's, it's Brit, it's Sheeta, it's Tony Storm. But outside of that, there there isn't enough on the bone to get you fully invested in this division. You get one match on the all-in card, you get nothing on a two-hour pre-show. And if, if you're going to continue to gripe about this and you expect things to change, I have news for you. It's been four years. Tony Khan is not going to change. This is something that he's on the level of what we criticize the WWE for and their booking decisions. This is just something that is not Tony Khan's calling card. And it, it's going to take more than just the locker room themselves to speak up about it because nothing's been done over the course of the last four years. I thought this actually was a pretty good match. It was a car crash for nine minutes. It was fun. But again, at the end of the day, women's wrestling in AEW is going to be background fodder, unfortunately. And Soraya is probably going to end up being a transitional champion. Yeah, I can't disagree with anything he said. I think he said it pretty much perfectly. Yeah, I'm because I don't. I don't think there's any long term in this at all. So it's just a moment, and we move on. But again, undermine Sheeta. I don't get it. Don't really get it. So, all right, um, we got four more matches, and we got to breeze through, or my wife's gonna kill me because she's making supper right now. <laughs> I know I got the kids waiting on me. So, and we're what hour and five in. All right, we're gonna breeze through this. Darby and Sting, Swerve and Christian thought it was sweet that they had Metallica uh, for the Sting entrance. Joker Sting, it's okay, but if they're going to do this, I got to get Surfer Sting at some point in time. I just, I have to see Surfer Sting again if we're going to see all of the Stings, and uh, Surfer Sting is the way to go. So I'll put up with this for now, but Metallica was sweet. Darby Allen, I don't know if this guy's going to be walking in five to ten years. I don't know how he takes the bumps he does, you know, the falls he took on the the coffin here swerve strickland uh is always good although like you always kind of wonder is he a heel is he a face by the way he acts out there christian is tremendous we've talked about him constantly on this podcast recently he continues to be very good but the match was fine 16 minutes i didn't think it was particularly great but it wasn't bad it was pretty much what they wanted to do uh how'd this come across carl yeah it came across really well um because it was Sting and people were up to seeing Sting. I thought the Jack the Ripper tribute was a little bit weird, um, given you're Turkish in a mass murderer. Um, but there we go. Um, yeah, I'll echo Darby Allen. If he, I think he probably was hired before Sting at this rate, given the, <laughs> some of the bumps he's taken. But yeah, I'm, I'm still waiting for the Sting payoff in AEW and, you know, him giving a rub to someone, it clearly tonight or last night wasn't going to be a night, but that needs to happen at some point. And again, I said it, Phil, like I said it six months ago, I'd like Darby Allen to get out of Sting's shadow for a prolonged period of time. Yeah. It has, yeah, it's, it's interesting because I like the pairing when they first put them together, and I've mostly liked it as long as it's lasted here for a couple of years. But I agree with you. I'd like to see Darby kind of do his own thing here at some point soon so that said i like seeing sting around though too so they gotta do something different with sting then i would like to see him stick around but i'd like to see darby kind of separate and, and 
go his own way here. Uh, Jesse, thoughts? Tony Khan has an endless amount of money. Seek and destroy Metallica. Bush Machine Head to open the show. Queen in the middle. I mean, who? Wow, that Khan family. Good Lord. <laughs> Darby <laughs> Allen channeling 2019 with his no-handed moonsault, as well as his, uh, his wide array of, of maneuvers, just to show how, how special and how different he is. Because this match was very good, but we had just got done seeing three fantastic matches, uh, two car crashes. This was built to be different. So they, they did a phenomenal job here. Swerve had a very good performance as well. Technically, the match shouldn't be over because Swerve's hair was sticking outside of the co- of the coffin. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> if good we're taking point. the baseball bat was, was uh, blocking it at one point, I believe Darby's foot was blocking it at one point. So why doesn't Swerve's hair count in this either? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I really want to see Swerve Strickland get some wins here. I'm getting a little bit nervous. So I'm going to wait till the end of 2023 to reserve judgment as to where they're going with him. And he just needs to get some more victories. He's too talented not to. Yeah. I mean, he's 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 great. Do you agree with me, though? Like sometimes he acts like a baby face out there, like the way he reacts with the crowd and stuff. I mean, I think he's a he's a very good heel, but like he calls at the crowd, and it's like, mm, aren't you supposed to be like this dastardly heel right now? But I mean, I I agree. I'd like to see him continue working his way up the card. I think he's uber talented, especially in a promotion right now. Again, I think that is a little bit devoid of heels. Yes. So uh, Jericho and Osprey, Jericho plays himself to the ring. I mean, it appeared the crowd loved that. Carl, crowd into it. Uh, once he stopped doing the Freddie Mercury AO tribute, yeah, it mm. um, it took a while to get going, but yeah, the, we enjoyed it. We sang along to it. Um, I did prefer to it with a bit of a self-masturbatory sort of thing. I think I called it a bank fest to someone in a, in a <laughs> queue for a beer that he's playing himself out just so he can say Fozzie played to 80,000 people when they were playing a 2,500 venue two nights before. Yeah. But, yeah, I got into it and his night got better from the um scenes of and i felt personally what was the reaction to osprey over huge over huge he, he got the big entrance if that's not a sign that tony khan is trying desperately to sign him up next the start of next year when the new japan deal comes up i think you know it's clear he clearly is and it's still i've seen osprey work early this year in a smaller venue and he turned heel at the end of the night as I was like, he might be able to work as a heel, but as soon as he came out, I was like, no, they clearly either knew that was going to happen. So Jericho worked heel or they flipped it on the night on, on the spot because, you know, Osprey worked phase. He was uh, the overwhelming favorite in the crowd and yeah, he, he deserves to be because he's another one that's probably not going to be wrestling that long into his career, given some of the bumps he takes. Yeah, I'm thinking the, the German spot particularly looked horrible when I rewatched it back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the German on the ring apron. Yeah. Yeah. His entrance was quite a moment, you know. I I got chills watching it. I thought his entrance was super cool. And then with all the pyro and everything, it was an awesome, awesome moment, you know, just being that from the country and everything. And you knew the crowd would get behind him, and they did. And yeah, they had a they had a good match. I mean, again, it, it wasn't the type of match that Osprey's capable of, given Jericho's restrictions at this point in his career. But they still had a good match, and 
you're right. That bump, that bump on the outside was sick, dude. It was crazy. <laughs> Jesse, your your notes on this one. From the spectacle perspective, I think it's on par with the main event and how both yeah. of these two were presented. I enjoyed the whole thing from start to finish. And I think it depends on your criteria of what you think a great professional wrestler is or who the best professional wrestler is in the world. I know Bret Hart has his his three his three attributes and we should definitely follow those, but in my mind today, Will Ospreay is the best professional wrestler in the world. I think he proved it yesterday. Chris Jericho went up another level. He was back to 2022 again. Impressive performance. I'm again, I know Osprey wants to he said it in the past he wants to stay in New Japan. He just said like you know, living in the United States just isn't for him, but I what's going to say that with Tony Khan's unlimited budget that he's not going to throw the entire kitchen sink at him and he's yeah. probably going to be a champion within a year too. That's just how good he is and he's he's well received in the states too. Yeah. So and Carl, I'll ask you this question. Did you did you feel that Osprey was very well received from the entire crowd or even just the sections around you? Because I know he kind of has like uh, just some some question marks about him as a person too. Yeah, um, he's a typical ethics boy. And I think that will not gravitate to some people. Um, people like myself who were, you know, born in the north of England will have a little bit of an angst towards a, a southerner. But he was so well received. I mean, I was taken aback by how well received he was because I had those doubts of is it going to be a bit of a mixed reaction? And I agree with what you were saying, Jesse, about he is clearly the best wrestler in the world. And he's proven that. I thought it was Jericho's best match probably for at least a year. And I would still say again, no, Jericho, go away for six to 12 months, please, because it, and another guard has got far too much power to the point where Aubrey has to ref, ref every match of his. <laughs> you know, so we have to deal with Bryce Remsburg in the main event, which, you know, I suppose they need, obviously couldn't have had Aubrey in the main event given the spot they did, but yeah, it's, um, it was, yeah, my third, third best match on the card for me and yeah, fair play to, fair play to Osprey, fair play to Jericho. He did some things in that match that I haven't seen him done for, done for years. So, he really did well, but yeah, Osprey. Osprey is a big star, and I think yeah, Tony Khan's probably maybe added another naught to his um, check potentially for next year. Yeah, it also makes me wish that Jericho, Christian, and Sting were ten to fifteen years younger, like in their primes. Just picture where they'd be right now, where this promotion would be. I get it; they have the experience now, but it just makes you dream as a wrestling fan. Just why couldn't they just be just a little bit younger? And just how great these, even better that these cards would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah, Osprey is tremendous. You guys said it. Uh, the shooting star from the top rope to Jericho when he was against the ropes. Um, Sammy hit Osprey with the baseball bat while he was in the walls. Uh, we had two Stormbreakers for Osprey to get the victory. But yeah, I mean, this was like basically felt like Osprey's bulldog at Wembley moment. You know, you didn't have that many home country men on here. I mean, you had Soraya, you had Osprey. Osprey was the, the big, massive star. You could tell, like, he got the star treatment for sure, as he should. I agree with you guys. Probably pound for pound best wrestler in the world. Yeah. Uh, all right. 
trios title i'm going to tell you guys flat out uh, i was getting ready to do the br stream because i knew i was on for the main event and i was in my office back and forth trying to get my roku to work and it wouldn't connect and i was panicking and so i missed a lot of this match but the trios title match with the acclaimed billy gunn house of black not at all surprised by the results our buddy andrew zarian tweeted that there are new trios title belts in the works as well for these guys uh but yeah not surprised by the results jesse how was the match it was fine i think though that I don't want Billy Gunn being the first person to kick out of Malachi Black's finisher. Right. That's a gripe that I definitely had, and I get the moment that he's coming back as badass Billy Gunn. He's still daddy-ass to me. I This is a moment that definitely is great, but I guess the longer-term question is, is this going to reheat the acclaim up? because this is something that needs to be done and the house of black can hopefully transition into something else. Maybe have them go as tags and Malachi as a single or something along those lines. I just don't necessarily know if I want to see this rematch it all out and have the house of black regain those championships. Ooh, no, definitely not. What do you think, Carl, how this one go over? I mean, the acclaimed always get over when they come out. Um, they've got a good pop for the uh, Prince Andrew line on, on the rap. Um, I was slightly disappointed it wasn't a reference to King Charles, but I'm guessing they didn't really end up in a tower, potentially, given, you know, the way he has nowadays. It went down well. I'm, I'm still questioning if Billy Gunn got, like, the three faces of Foley thing going on now, so obviously it is, you know, his vengeance side was sort of badass. It, the problem with Billy Gunn is, one, he can't go in the ring anymore, and two, he's so much bigger than anyone else in the ring with him. And it just looks... I mean, it's incredible to see him in that, that shape, at, you know, in his pushing 60, but it kind of like Brody King looks small and looks average compared to him. It's, it's, not, it's not good optics. The problem for me here is... I want the acclaimed ideally as a tag because I don't want to see Billy Gunn wrestling in 2023. Yeah. But you also need to keep the trios division hot and strong. That's the problem when you've got these two competing divisions. So it went down well. I, I just think that I probably would have kept the belts in the House of Black and retired Billy Gunn. Just it would have made things a lot easier. Yeah. Um, I agree with you guys. I want to see claim more in the tag title picture than this picture so i don't know i hope it's not a super long reign uh hopefully it's a way to send billy off into the sunset and that'll be that especially you mentioned aussie open essentially losing upwards and now moving into aew in Mm -hmm. just getting rid of the roh tag championships lucha bros are likely be on their own i'm assuming ray phoenix be back in a couple of weeks santana and ortiz ftr the young bucks let's reunite this thing and heat that tag team division back up yeah Okay, so that leaves the main event. Real quickly here, the big spots, Cole, MJF. Uh, My wife just told me I have a handful of minutes here, so I'm going to try to wrap this up soon. (laughs) She has a Girl Scout meeting to go to. I just found out about this, you guys. Um, You know, we going in, it was, are they going to do the turn? Are they going to extend this? I was very vocal. It ain't going to be right now. They got to get more mileage out of this. And that's what they did. We didn't have the turn, but we, you know, we had the teases. We had Roddy Strong trying to help 
Cole win, and Cole went with them at first. So, I mean, that's going to play into the story here a little bit. Presentation, tremendous. You got that big entrance from MJF. You know, he's got the devil mask on and the throne and everything. I really like that. Um, There was a line where Cole said, we may be friends, but I'm better than you. Uh, MJF at one point in in time tried to tombstone Cole on the announce table, but he couldn't bring himself to do it. Meanwhile, Cole didn't care. He could do it. Um, There was going to be a draw, but uh, then they declared that they were going to add on time. MJF said that Cole didn't deserve five minutes. He deserved, you know, even more time. Or I can't remember how he worded that, but he deserved everything. And there was going to be like this double draw that would have been a terrible, terrible finish if they went with that. Uh and so, I mean, I'm watching this live on the BR stream. Like, there's no way that's a finish. They're not going to end a stadium show with a draw. Can't possibly happen. So, I mean, yeah, they're just calling back to that time where Cole was asking for five more minutes in their first clash. And uh, let's see. There was a tease where MJF, like, took a chair and he put it around his head. And he wanted Bryce Remsburg to see it, you know, I guess for the finish. Eddie Guerrero, old Eddie Guerrero spot. Uh, Michael or uh, Michael Adam Cole gave Remsburg a Panama sunrise at one point in time on accident. Uh, MJF teased that he was going to use the dynamite diamond, but then he couldn't bring himself to do it. Then Roddy Strong comes out, gives him the low blow. After that, Cole gives the Panama sunrise and the boom, but my, but Remsburg's out, so he can't count the fall. Uh, then Roddy Strong tries to get him to use the world title belt, and this time Adam Cole refused. And then in that in that thoughtful moment from Adam Cole, you in the distraction, you get MJF roll him up with the small package for the pinfall. And that that was uh that was the finish. They hugged it out to end the show. Real quickly, guys, your thoughts. Jesse, go ahead. I loved everything except for the small package finish. That brought it down. Yeah, that yeah. seriously brought this card for me down from an A to an A minus because everything that happened after the finish was also great. There's there's everything you wanted in a, in a professional wrestling match. There was confliction. There was great storytelling. There was tremendous action in the ring. It did have some NXT mo- uh, moments to it, yet it it worked in the in this scenario. I believe that Wembley got the right outcome. And I guess the, I guess the one other thing I was disappointed about. I'll let Carl finish. Is it left a cliffhanger for all out. It didn't quite have that seamless transition from all in to all out, especially with just that week separating the two events. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I thought that they would do something to set up all out here to get everyone excited, to get you to spend 50 bucks again in seven days. And instead it was like, there was no build here. And I thought this was the stage to do something to sell that show. I thought they had to tie them together in some way to get people to shell out the money. Uh, Carl, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I agree with Jesse. The, the small package finish was not the best way. And it made MJF look like, well, it basically, you should have been beaten multiple times here. But either Cole not wanting to pull the trigger or delaying or Remsburg being knocked out and then suddenly coming back to life for the small package. Um, quite miraculous, miraculously, which says, I, I hate that spot. When he got a referee bumped and then suddenly he's, he's back up and 
hearing it. Um, yeah, I yeah, because I I I left before the hug spot because I had a pretty much an hour to get our journey back. I I was sort of assumed that would be something along those lines. I just don't. Yeah, I don't quite know where they're going with all out. I'm thinking the cold home will probably happen between now and full gear, and that'll be the full gear match, and you'll probably put the belt on cold. Mm-hmm. But it's that is the only thing that is a negative about the it was as good a match as you'll see um in the way they booked it and Jim just continues to have these matches where it's defying expectations of what they're gonna do in terms of how they're booking it and you know the you know it's all this gimmick has had the best four way, best strong collar, but this was probably the best smoke and mirrors fun match um that the promotions have. So you know, again, he's he's a consistent four-wheeler at the moment. Yeah. Well said. Uh, we'll see. We'll have we'll have more answers here in two days. What's going on with CM Punk and Jack Perry? What the hell is the rest of the card for All Out? Jesse, we're going to be there. We're either going to record the post show in Chicago or wait till we get home. We haven't decided yet. We're looking at doing a meetup. So if you're going to be in Chicago and you want to meet up with the podcast and some of our listeners. We can organize something. We have a thread going in the Facebook group. Get in the Top Rope Nation Facebook group and let us know. Guys, I got to wrap or my wife might make me sleep on the uh, front lawn tonight. So I, I appreciate this. This was a lot of fun. Really appreciate Carl coming on, giving us the live perspective. Sorry, we got to run kind of so quickly here at the end. But this this conversation will continue. There will be more to talk about moving forward. That is for sure. Uh, guys, this has been episode 307 of Top Rope Nation. Join the Facebook group. Subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Subscribe on YouTube. Thank you to SE Scoops for sponsoring the show. Patreon.com slash Top Rope Nation. Tomorrow night, SummerSlam 98. We're recording exclusively for Patreon. Check it out. Jesse, thank you, sir. Thank you so much, Ryan. I'll see you in 24 hours. Yeah, Carl, appreciate it. Always great to have you on. Cheers, guys. All right. See you soon, everybody. Peace.